0: From the Alex Rebecca stage at Sony Picture Studios, this
1: is Inside Jeopardy.
2: Hello and welcome back to Inside Jeopardy, your exclusive and official podcast destination for all things happening in the world of Jeopardy. I'm Sarah Foss and I'm here today with Buzzy Cohen.
3: Hello Sarah. Happy November, Movember, however you call it.
2: Whew. Daylight savings. Yeah. Kicking in. A lot in. going on. Extra hour of sleep. But you know what? Never works when you have kids. No. They don't get the memo.
3: They don't. Mm Well, we recently celebrated Halloween. Yes, we did. Uh, Our last pod came out the day before, which means today we will reveal the winner of this year's Deathly Double Challenge. I'm going to give some honorable mentions out there. Hans von Walter dressed up as Pam Mueller, which I thought was a great one. You know, Pam, one of our Jeopardy! Legends, I would say. And Pam,
2: I would say, always known for her fashion on the show. Always, yeah. Hans did a a blue navy gown that kind of mimicked one of her outfits.
3: I think it was uh, one of her all-stars looks. You know, she did it instead of outfit of the day, outfit of the J mm-hmm. for a while there, which Love I like. Uh, we had a couple as Alex and the new one-day score champion mm-hmm. who was uh, the woman. I believe her name was Joanne.
2: Interesting total she had for yeah, that one One day.
3: dollar more yeah. than uh, certain James Holzhauer. Uh, we also had last year's winner, Claudine, dressed up as Blossom in the episode of Blossom where she was on Jeopardy.
2: Love that. Yeah. It's
3: and like then, of course, whiskey, whiskey
2: Ginger as. Yep.
3: Alexa Trebek. Yes. However, these are the honorable mentions. This year's winner is. Can we do a drum roll? Mackenzie Wachter, who dressed up as the Las Vegas gambler, high roller, self described game show villain, and winner of the Jeopardy Masters, James whole tower this was such a fun costume posted a bunch of pictures fanning herself with money going all in she
2: really went full character with this yes
3: i i do that too do you just when you wear a costume you become that character it's not just an outfit absolutely
2: and she had props
3: yes i love a prop
2: she had the actual well not the actual (laughs) she had a very carefully recreated trophy from masters and she told us that her mom actually made that trophy out of a plastic traffic cone, black spray paint, little glittered gold ornament, and bammo you got a Jeopardy! Masters trophy and love a winning costume. Winning
3: costume. So we'll be in touch via a DM or something, Mackenzie, to get you that photograph of Ken Jennings signed by Buzzy Cohen.
2: You will be only the second person in the world to own such a treasure.
3: Yeah. I love prop. I really want more props. When I was on the chase, I kept saying I want props and I wanted to create my persona to be someone that had props. I kept asking for props and they're like, no, no, no. Every other chaser got props at some point in that season and I never got a prop.
2: No props for Buzzy. I had a very large broom in my Halloween costume because you you can't be the Wicked Witch without yeah, a broom, my husband had his axe, yep. you know, for the tin man. It my... was
3: great. You're, I saw your family's oh, costume. You did thanks. very good. We went trick-or-treating and there was a house that was Oz. They changed their front walk into a yellow brick road and they were all dressed up as characters from The Wizard of Oz. It was incredible.
2: So someone did it better?
3: No, I don't think their costumes were better, but they created a set around wow. it that they inhabited.
2: All right. I got goals. I got Halloween yeah. goals for next How year. How was the
3: 13-foot Jack's animated Jack Skellington?
2: Oh. Awesome. <sighs> Although he stopped singing and talking after like one week, so Ooh, might okay. have to reach back Call out Home to Home Depot. Depot. Yeah. yeah. Well, another I would say exciting thing happened last week, and yeah. that was on November first, which is the launch of Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. Stand Up to Cancer, in collaboration with Gene Trebek, launched the Alex Trebek Fund. Katie Couric and Gene Trebek became friends. Katie really reached out to Jean when Alex was first diagnosed. She wanted to make sure we had access to all of the resources that Stand Mm -hmm. Up To Cancer had and make sure that Alex had access to the best doctors and the best research and scientists when he was first diagnosed. And you know, they formed an early friendship. Obviously, Katie had lost her husband to colon cancer. And so she and Jean had been talking about what could they do. And it's a disease that needs more research because obviously In Alex's case, once he realized that he had pancreatic cancer, it was already stage four. And that is the case with most people because it is a small organ deep inside the body. So it's not easily able to be recognized. And so Gene made a significant contribution to launch the fund. And Katie Couric's team put together a beautiful tribute video to Alex. Take a listen of just a clip from that.
1: People were shocked. And right away, they were sending so many notes, so many emails, so many sweet gifts.
4: Jeopardy was uh, such an important thing in his life, you know, that no matter how he was feeling, no matter how rough the treatments were, he could come in here and he would still be Alex Trebek.
2: Producers would offer we can delay taping, we could cancel taping, Alex wouldn't dream of it. Alex would go back in the dressing room in a state that no one would think someone could come out and host Jeopardy, and yet the director would get on and announce, you know, all crew to headset, and we'd all get to our positions, and sure enough, Alex would come out as if nothing had happened. You wouldn't even know the pain and suffering that he was going through.
1: Let's take a look at your response. Did you come up with the right one? No? What is, we love you out. That's very kind. Thank you. And since he was all about the right answer, I think it's very fitting that this fund is now established in his name, and hopefully it will benefit thousands and thousands of people.
2: Obviously, you can watch the full video at standuptocancer.org or also on the Jeopardy website. You can watch that. I was honored to be a part of it. Not that you ever want to relive what we went through with Alex, but obviously if any good can come out of it. And as Jean keeps saying, you know, Alex was a man who wanted to know answers. He wanted Mm -hmm. to have answers. He valued knowledge. And she feels like the more that this fund can earn and the more answers there can be to trying to help anyone who will face pancreatic cancer or possibly prevent it in a time that it doesn't take your life will be a great thing. So, yeah. We're also coming up on the 3 year anniversary. Yeah, of I was going to say in, on Alex Wednesday. Right? Trebek's passing on November 8th. You know, in some ways it feels like it was yesterday and in some ways it feels like it's been way more than 3 years. So, yeah. we will continue to support that fund. I think is a great way to honor Alex and to make great jeopardy which is yes, what he would want, want us to do so we're going to have another exciting week of quarterfinal games to highlight for you of course we have our first two semifinal games in yep. the Champions Wildcard Diamonds group and we've got to talk about celebrity jeopardy last week that was a big one and yep. then later in the show buzzy and i are going to be speaking with the Brohawks yes. yes two of the semifinalists TJ Tally and Dave Rap they are I would say extraordinary on their own, but they have formed this bromance and- A
3: momance.
2: A momance, oh, <laughs> you did there. And so to have both of them together on the pod, I think will be really, really special. But first off, we're gonna take a look back at this week in Jeopardy! History. <laughs>
1: Johnny Gilbert, thank you ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to our eagerly awaited Tournament of Champions for this year. I'm often asked by people who come to our tapings, who make the best players? Well, my response has always been consistent over the years, attorneys, teachers, students, and by golly we have one of each with us today, so let's see how it works out. Good luck to you, here we go. It was
2: this week 8 years ago when we kicked off the 2015 Tournament of Champions. Of course the tournament culminated with a very exciting
3: two-day total point affair.
2: That's right, it was a final with Matt Jackson, Alex Jacob, Carrie Green, great competition between all the finalists, but it was six-game champion Alex Jacob who took home the 250,000 grand prize in the end. He put on a very impressive performance throughout the tournament, and he seemed unstoppable. He was locking up runaways in every game, which is actually a goal he had set for himself coming into the TOC. Even Alex Trebek had applauded his strong gameplay, saying this was the most dominant performance by anyone in any of our tournaments. Alex, of course, Buzzy went on to compete in the All-Star Games on your team, and we've certainly been hearing for... His inclusion yes. in the upcoming Jeopardy! Invitational tournament, when that takes place, people are saying Alex Jacob should certainly be on the list. You have a first-hand account of what he's like as a Jeopardy! competitor.
3: He's incredible. I mean, you know, our team did not do as well in All-Stars as we had hoped, but I think that if you look back at the gameplay, he was certainly one of the m- most dominant players. I think if, if anyone out there, you know, other than our Masters, has a chance at James Holzhauer, it's someone like, like Alex Jacob. He really was that style of player before James. He obviously yeah. didn't have the kind of incredible success that James had on the show, but he, when he played, he was very, very good. And he really, uh, he taught me a lot when he was on my team. He was my first choice. I, I had the first draft pick. He was definitely my first choice. He really, I think, showed a, a new way of playing the game, at least to me.
2: No, absolutely. And then, you know, it's funny, as James came later... Comparing him to Alex in those early games, oh, yeah. Alex was a poker player, and James, you're a gambler. You're a gambler, yeah. and you know seeing those similarities. But certainly, he was one of the first to really go big and make those big wagers yeah. that terrify um,
3: most and, people. And also, he has a very similar to James and and Chris Panulo, like that poker face Another of like a
2: former. Poker Another player. former
3: poker player, like that ice water veins of just they they're really calm up there and like, you know, very focused. You kinda can't see what's going on uh behind their eyes sometimes, you know, and uh it was incredible to watch him play.
2: Well, just highlighting that TOC from eight years ago gets me so excited about our TOC that is coming up. Oh my it's gonna god. Be Incredible, and I can't wait to have a front row seat.
3: And we're still waiting to find out who some of our contestants are going to be, so let's talk about this champions wildcard.
2: All right, let's get right into the highlights. We kicked off the week with our seventh quarterfinal game TJ Tally, Sarah Reza, Jay Foster. It was a slow start to the game, but TJ caught fire in double jeopardy, never looking back, going on an impressive run, securing a no doubt runaway, heading into final. This was our first runaway of the Diamonds group and T.J. ended the show by saying, go Mohawks, yay!
3: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's not, I I wanna go back and say, T.J.'s signature certainly caught my eye.
2: Yes, the inclusion of the exclamation point, really on point. And T.J., of course, an associate professor of African history, Mm -hmm. he ends up getting some African history clues during this game. He even joked on Reddit, I almost cackled when I saw the daily double appear mm. because he knew it was right in his wheelhouse. And that yep. certainly helped him get to that runaway. I love Sarah's interview. She was talking about watching jeopardy with her newborn and you know, just <laughs> yeah, the way that you kind of cuddle a newborn yeah. like a little football style that their toes were just right in the perfect place <laughs> to use them gently. Of course, yeah. to practice her buzzer skills. I thought that was hilarious.
3: This little piggy wants a true daily double.
2: That's it all the way to the market. And there was that category in this game, non-naughty words. Uh. (laughs) And TJ and Dave, who now have their own YouTube series where they're, you know, recapping these games, TJ talked about it was so hard not to yell out the naughty word. Even though we're saying non-naughty, it's a little tempting to do that. And when asked about the semifinals after that big runaway, Ken said, you know, how are you feeling? And TJ said, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I feel like this mohawk is giving me 80% of the confidence.
3: <laughs>
2: it didn't help him in that category about the Jokers. He did respond.
3: Oh, my gosh.
2: With Heath Ledger <laughs> incorrectly twice. Thankfully, finally, there was a photo of Heath Ledger. And TJ was able to get in with that one.
3: I think the only thing that would have been better if is, is if he had not been able to buzz in and someone else got to say Heath Ledger.
2: Today. Oh, would have maybe all right well ken (laughs) checked in with the players after the game let's take a listen
4: Uh, you seem giddy tj
0: well you you think that you're never going to be back on a show right and this is exactly three years ago i was one of the last alex trebek contestants right oh wow and now you like put your life together You're like that's fine and now they call you and you're like come on back and now you get to win this is insane this is wonderful
4: is it a good kind of stress when you get that call like you're back did i Scream and terrify my neighbors.
0: Yes, <laughs> um, uh, but it, it is the best feeling. But it's like your entire life gets rewritten in a in a second, and so you don't know what's happening.
4: You moment. don't know which way it's gonna go. Is there any degree of like trepidation when you get that call, or were you were you both like eager to come back? I was Yeah, eager. Yeah. eager. Yeah. yeah, it gets in your blood. Yeah. You
0: know. No, but I agree. There was like this moment where you're like, "That was then. Mm-hmm. I did it. I like. How often do you get to do a, a bucket list thing twice? Right? Mm-hmm. Like so. I think I had a moment." when I was like, should I, do I want to? Okay, yes I do, my husband was like, no, you definitely do.
4: (laughs) There's a funny thing where, you know, it's like you just tried out a new sport for the first time and you're great at it and then someone tells you the next day, oh, and you can never play this sport again. Yes,
0: yeah, Yeah. exactly. You've gotten to do it a couple of times.
4: I got luckier than most, but I I understand, (laughs) like I I would kind of jones for it. I'd be like, boy, I I wish I could play Jeopardy again. It's fun. Mm -hmm.
2: All right, moving on to Tuesday with Aaron Craig, Hari Parameshwaran, and Katie Hargrove. Hari and Aaron really battled it out in the Jeopardy round and in double Jeopardy, and despite losing $7,600 on a true daily double, Hari was able to fight his way back into the lead by the end of the round. Unfortunately, none of our players was able to come up with the correct response in final, but that strategic wager from Aaron in second place allowed him to take the win. This hurt, though, because, wow, Hari, to to end up with that score after Absolutely. losing that much on a daily double. Yeah.
3: A lot, shows a lot of guts and grit. Very, very impressed. Hari, hold your head up high because that's a hard thing to come back from. It's hard to lose it all on a true daily double and, like, just – get back into the game. It's very easy. We've seen it so many times in the regular show. We've seen it in some of these competitions. It doesn't go your way, and it, you kind of just get in your head and you're replaying it, but Hari really did exactly the right thing. Didn't come out his way. Another week of tough finals.
2: This was the Halloween episode. Spooky. And yes, and we had a cape, actually. Our wardrobe <laughs> person, Steven Zimelman, had, had this beautiful vampire cape, and we were considering having Ken walk out in the cape because we know Alex loved a costume we ended up deciding nah, we won't have him walk out in the cape but he did model it for everyone and (laughs) we did use it for one of our social posts about our 13 spooky days leading up to Halloween so you know even Ken likes a bit of a costume But one thing that was a little Halloween-themed was his tie. Mm. And I would like to tell everyone that that was an Alex Trebek tie. So we have some of those.
3: I noticed the tie, but now I love it even more, knowing that backstory.
2: Yeah, we have some of those still in our collection. Actually, at Alex's service, everyone was gifted one of his ties. Oh,
3: that's so sweet. And
2: so that's a tribute that a lot of people have. But there are still some that we've kept for Ken. And so every once in a while, there's a little Alex Easter egg in the show. That's awesome. Let's move on to Wednesday where we saw the return of Dana Hill, Nancy Donhauer, and Dave Rapp, our second Mohawk that we've seen in this (laughs) Diamonds group and obviously part of the Brohawks. This was an exciting game. Dana and Dave were neck and neck heading into Double Jeopardy, but Dave unfortunately missed a big $5,000 daily double. Dana then appeared to be running away with it until Dave found that last daily double. He went all in $9,000. And he was correct. He skyrockets back into the lead, heading into final. He was also the only one to come up with the correct response in final, so he secures that last spot in the semifinals. Of course, in the interview, everyone's wondering about this mohawk, including Ken. So Dave revealed that he had switched the mohawk color because he was told from his earlier appearances that the purple, you know, kind of blended in with the purple of our set. So he didn't want to be accused of being Never. subtle. We could never accuse you of that, Dave. Um, But his daughters helped him come up with a color that popped. And it's kind of like a fuchsia. Yeah, I actually like
3: how he it's almost like the tie and the mohawk are one line down the center of his body is very cool.
2: Yeah, he went to take his picture with Ken and Ken was like, I can't even tell if I'm (laughs) shorter than you or taller than you. It's really hard to tell with that super tall mohawk.
3: And here's another person coming back from a tough Daily double loss and just kind of gutting it out.
2: Yeah. And then Dave Brapp is back on Thursday as a semifinalist up against Emily Sands and Yoshi Hill. Great start to the semifinals. Dave and Emily neck and neck until Emily found both daily doubles in double jeopardy. Not much you can do when someone finds those and adds $10,000 to their score. Emily secures an impressive runaway win and is our first Diamond Champions wildcard player to punch their ticket to the finals.
3: Brava, Emily. Well played game against two tough competitors.
2: Yeah, heading into Friday, we closed out the week with TJ Tally, Leah Weigan, and Aaron Craig, another close Jeopardy round between all three of our players. Aaron taking just a small lead heading into double Jeopardy. There he misses a big $4,000 daily double but manages to work his way back into the lead when Leah was incorrect on her big $5,000 daily double. Aaron then locks up a narrow runaway on the final clue and becomes our second finalist.
3: Yeah, Aaron with two not super convincing wins, but he is in the finals and anything can happen if he just, you know, Turns it on, I'm excited to see what he does.
2: Yeah, and TJ knows at this point he can't win the game, (laughs) so he decides to make a hilarious callback to his quarterfinal game where he couldn't come up with Heath Ledger until the third try. He says, hey, who is Heath Ledger and love you, Mom.
3: Let's talk celebrity.
2: All right, let's head back to Wednesday night in primetime for our sixth Celebrity Jeopardy! quarterfinal game with Dulé Hill, Cheryl Underwood, and Peter Facinelli. It was a tight game throughout the first two rounds. A lot of fun being had by all. Dulé starts to pull away in triple jeopardy. And with the help of two correct daily doubles, he was able to earn a runaway win heading into final. Dulé and Cheryl did come up with correct responses, but it didn't matter. Dulé already headed to the semifinals. You know, Ken kind of set this game up ahead of time Mm -hmm. on Twitter. He said I don't want to spoil anything but I'm pretty sure there is more tap dancing in tonight's celebrity jeopardy <laughs> than in all of the previous 40 years of jeopardy combined. Duley of course did tap dance and these players were having a lot of fun up a there. A lot
3: of fun. I, I you know I from a gameplay standpoint I'm kind of fascinated with the daily double. Approach. <laughs> just going to le- throw that out there. I-, I think our listeners know where I stand on this. But a lot of fun had in this game. And really, that's what it's all about.
2: One reminder about Celebrity Jeopardy. We're going to take a break this week. So there won't be a new episode because yeah. we have the Country Music Awards on ABC. But we will be back on November 15th with Macaulay Culkin, Rachel Dratch, and Becky Lynch. This is a great game you will not want to miss.
3: Factors ready to eat meals make eating better every day easy. When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off.
2: There's a lot happening these days. All right, it's time for our host chat. An audience member asked, "Ken, this was a question Alex often got asked yes. as well. How many suits
4: do you own?" I, you know, this is only my second full year doing this, so I have many fewer suits than Alex did. He left a wonderful gift where most of his suits went to an organization that helps dress up kids doing their first job interviews. So people from underprivileged backgrounds can wear like an Alex Trebek suit to their very first job interview, which is great. Uh, I just asked my uh, wardrobe guy this. I think I now have 23 suits back there, and they're nicer than anything I have at home. Like, this is uh, this is the only place I look good, and luckily they put this one on TV.
3: I think I have 23 suits. <laughs> well, that's I'm going to yeah, go, go home and count. I'm going to go home and count. Get come back. your
2: suit count. I want to know. I think he's definitely got you beat on shirts and ties. But Probably, you yeah. Could, you could be right up there with suits. I
3: just got two more suits, so I think I might be securing right. my spot i you know ken's got the 74 wins he's got i just i want one thing i gotta have one thing
2: one thing that you can win all right <laughs> you can win suits buzzy just give it time <laughs> it is now time i've been waiting for this all pod it yes. is time to welcome champions wildcard semi-finalists dave Rapp and tj Tally. Dave and TJ, thanks for joining us on the pod.
1: Oh my goodness! (laughs) Oh my gosh! What a pleasure! I'm delighted. We're so so happy. I have to
2: say, TJ and I go way back, way back to Cinco de Mayo, 2020, the heart of COVID. So true. And I was working, you know, with the contestant department, and I did TJ's initial audition. Mm. And I have to say, TJ, I left that audition. I said, I've found the next super champion this guy is incredible he did so well on the test he's got great personality like this is our next great jeopardy super champion so then we come to your first run later that year and yes you win but you didn't go on the super run that i was expecting tj
0: how does it feel to let down Sarah? <laughs> I mean, as both an academic and also a former gifted child, I expected to be a lot of <laughs> and yet here we are. This is what we are today. No, it was. It was. It, I'm still thrilled that it even happened, right? Because Sarah, we met at the at the very beginning yeah. of the panacada, right? <laughs> we were in the middle of this fundulce, and we we're just like, "What is going on?" And so, I'm excited that it happened at all, and that I got to be a final you know, uh, Alex Trebek yeah. Fiesta contestant, but at the same time, yeah, it is wild because it's, it was this moment of like, I felt really good on the buzzer. And then uh, just, in that first run, oof, honestly, I just overwagered and it just, it did not, it was not my game. It was a bomb.
2: Yeah. Well, <laughs> it happens on Jeopardy. I mean, that's why we have things like second chance now and champions wildcard. For those of you who may have only been a one game winner, But to come back and have a chance to show on any given day, anything can happen. Dave, talk us through your original run and how that was for you. You came with a purple mohawk, I should say, the first time. Uh, TJ, of course, (laughs) came with a blue mohawk originally.
1: I was crushed to find out that I was not the first mohawk. So I won my first game. I'm feeling good. (laughs) And then the my second day I come out and Ken's there and he's like, "So you're nothing special here's here's some footage of TJ and I was like, man <laughs> so I know. It was, no we but had I, to do
2: it, Dave. I mean yeah. the fact that we had two mohawks, you know within a certain <laughs> amount of time on Jeopardy yeah. we had to do it.
1: yeah no, but my my trip here was very long. I first tested, I think in 1996. I was living in Phoenix and drove over here or drove over to Culver City and got a hotel and tested on the stage, sitting in the audience and uh, was a nervous wreck. And then I tested, I'm not even sure how many times over the years, seven maybe. And just, I get so anxious up there. I knew I was passing the test and getting called back and was a, a bundle of nerves on the buzzer. So I just had to get more confident with that. Before uh, you know, I was finally ready to get on the show.
2: Yeah, and you come and you win three games, Dave. That's impressive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was great. Uh, uh, you know, wish it was a little bit more, as everybody says. But uh, I, you know, I am the winningest Mohawk Jeopardy champion. Ooh, <laughs> wow. I Maybe was I less. was a second away. It's it's
0: it's fun and self deprecating when I say it, David. It's meaner when you say it, David.
1: <laughs> Everything's meaner when I say it.
2: I think it's said with love, it's nonetheless, absolutely. Dave. But you came so close to being a TOC qualifier. So what's that like to to win three and know one more game? You know, you could have been in.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, it is difficult, but. Honestly, my very first game, uh, again, I was so nervous, but I was just so happy to finally be there after all those years. And all I wanted to do was not embarrass myself and make it to Final Jeopardy. That was like my short list of accomplishments. And then I started playing the game and I started hitting things on my dream list of accomplishments. Run a category, get a daily double, get it correct. Uh, I, it was a locked game to, to have a runaway game uh, in my, I, I did everything on my first game except make it true daily double, and of course, make it to uh, the tournament champions, which you can't do with one game. So, uh, you know, it was a dream, dream beyond dream, just in my first game.
2: Well, fast forward to champions Wildcard, I have to say, as producers, when we're going through the pool of players, and we come across, we've got three potential Mohawks. We have three <laughs> champions. All with Mohawks from season thirty-seven and season thirty-eight that we can bring back. Let's just let's go wild. Let's put them all in the diamond and just see <laughs> what happens with the Mohawks. Talk me through TJ hearing about champions Wildcard and getting that call and knowing you're coming back. And what do you do with the Mohawk?
0: Oh my gosh! So it's so surreal, right? So like all of us, we had we sort of emotionally packaged and put this away. It is exactly three years since I've been on. Right, and so I sort of was like, "What a fun and sassy part of my life this has been." I enjoyed this sort of delightful chapter, and then um, y'all call me two weeks before the school year starts, and um, wonderfully upend my life in the most delicious of ways. Um, and so I find I find this sort of moment of I, I don't know how to process this this new possibility. I was like, "This could be a moment of sort of." at least showing what I didn't have before. I feel very much like some sort of reality show contestant that was like, I went home too early. It's my chance to show who I am. <laughs> um, but uh, the funnier thing is because of Ken's reference to Dave as the, at the moment, the the second winning Mohawk right. contestant and then the winningest Mohawk contestant, the disrespect of the <laughs> churl, by way, all of this is, is noted. And, uh, but this happened and so it meant that on Valentine's Day 2022 is when this happens and I'm like going for a run and then suddenly I get all of these text messages, like two or three hours, like because of the times of difference, I'm in California and people on the East Coast and the Midwest are like, did you see there was another Mohawk? And so then inexplicably, <laughs> I am linked with this sassy hair genius over here. And so,
1: um,
0: and so the fun part was when I find myself back uh, and we're at the hotel, Right. I walk out and we don't know who any of the other contestants are. Right. It feels almost like a murder mystery where (laughs) you're like, which one of us is going to be. So you roll into the lobby and I stop in the middle of the lobby and I just silently swear under my breath because I'm just like, oh, there is there's Mohawk (laughs) and over there. And Dave, of course, has no idea who I am. Right. He's he's never seen me. (laughs) Um, And at the time in, in 2020, my hair was, of course um electric blue because all of us dealing with the ennui and the the self-loathing and the insanity of uh being on the ponder replay of 2020 was this sense of i was like let me dye my hair um and so i had this sort of very electric blue hair and i had dyed it the day before you guys called me right in 2020 and i was like well this is what we're gonna do uh and so i would grown it out this time and i really had a moment where i was like well Maybe, you know, it'll make a bit of a difference if I have it be my natural hair color, it'll be all right. And then of course I walk into the lobby and there is this, you know, fire engine fuchsia (laughs) sitting in front of me, casually just minding his business. And I was like, oh, I have to fight someone? (laughs) This is a lot, this is a lot at 8 a.m.
2: Dave, what was it like for you to get the call and then realize you're you're gonna be up there with Not on the stage at the same time that you're going to be there with TJ.
1: Yeah. I mean, the first thing, uh, John uh, called me, and I had him in my phone, luckily, so I knew who who it was, and I picked up the phone, and the first thing he says is, don't worry, you didn't do anything wrong, which immediately made (laughs) me think, what did I do wrong?
2: (laughs) Naturally. Um,
1: And... You know, he asked if I would be interested in coming back. And I'm like, does anybody say no to that? (laughs) Of like, unbelievable, like never would have imagined it. You know, I I didn't know uh, that TJ was going to be there. So I, the other side of that lobby story, he's wearing a hat, by the way. (laughs) So I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's Uh, him. uh, So, but I see somebody walk into the lobby and clock my hair and try to suppress a look of anger (laughs) and I'm like oh I think I know who that is (laughs) so of course we sat next to each other and immediately became best friends (laughs) we both shot in the second day and we spent the whole first day being like they're gonna put us together right they have to who's the third person that's gonna be with us and can we convince them to put their hair in a mohawk
2: we, we couldn't go that far. Uh, we didn't put you actually in the same game. But that first day when you were in the audience watching the games, I mean, Ken even joked like, well, those of you who weren't sitting behind someone with a mohawk, I hope yeah. you had a good view. <laughs> and the rest of you, sorry. So sorry. But the bromance began, right? That day, the bromance began.
0: It really did. Because I think that it could have gone one of two ways, right? It could have been like, oh, hello, mohawk. <laughs> Nice to meet you. But in- instead we both were like, Oh, you are barely an adult. <laughs> and I am super <laughs> to the fact that you are absurdly deeply clever with a wide region trivia knowledge, highly anxious, and also filled with a sense of the absurd. And that's when literally the uh, the phrase the Brohawks is yes. born.
2: Well both of you had great initial games. Obviously you both advanced to the semifinals. So when it came to the champions wild card, you really were on equal footing. And sadly, we didn't get to see either of you in the finals. But I think what both of you have talked about is just what this experience meant, not only to the two of you and your brohawk bromance, but to this group of 27 that really has come together and you have a whole new community, a whole new group of friends.
0: Yeah, it is the most aggressive group chat I have ever been on <laughs> in the history of, of phoning. Uh, it's, it's great, right? Like. My initial game competitor, Reza is great because she really sort of stepped up and said, "No, this is something special. Let's all be in touch." And we we really did sort of form a really kind of close knit uh, community. And so it's been really nice to get to know all of these people better. And in so doing, right, this inspired Dave and I to be even more ridiculous than we would have been singularly. Right, you have you have created a sort of gestalt of uh, double absurdity for us. And so we started doing recaps of the games as the brohawks, right? So how did we think about what the experience was like for us? And it's been a real treat to sort of go through each of those episodes and sort of explain how we felt and what that process is like. Dave, how about for you?
1: (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, No, the every, you know, I've listened to the other uh, contestants that have come on and we all have the same thing with we got a chance this time to actually hang out with each other instead of just Mm -hmm. being there for a day or whatever. And it meant so much. And it was instant bonding all around. And, but also we're still competitive trivia nerds. So our diamond bracket, we think we're the best bracket. So we're, we're, we're better. <laughs> bra- we're like, no, no. like We heard we heard that the other brackets are cool, but we're definitely better friends than the Spades bracket people, right? And what's going to happen with the it. hearts and the <laughs> clubs? Yeah, so we're ready to rumble, I guess is what we're saying. <laughs> it's
0: true, right? And I taped with Fred Nelson, who I love dearly. And so we taped back in our sort of final Trebek days. And I was delighted to see that he would moved on into uh, into the next unit. And then I immediately was like, but they're not as good as <laughs>
3: ah, Throwing it down. Are they? So you two had very different experiences in your quarterfinal games. TJ with a very, very strong game. Dave pulling it out when you needed to. <laughs> mm-hmm. How did you feel the gameplay was different this time compared to your first time on the show?
1: Oh, well, for me, the buzzer was definitely an issue. You know, sometimes you're in it in the groove and sometimes you're not. And even from the practice rounds, I noticed that the, the timing was just not what I was used to, that the light was coming on before I was expecting it. So I, I now had to adjust my tactics and sort of look for the light instead of listening for the cadence uh, of the question. And that was definitely challenging on the fly to do that.
3: And how about for you, TJ? What what felt different coming back this time from your last two games on the Trebek stage?
0: Well, I think one of the things that felt really great, and I think sort of that was that moment of feeling like I had not gotten to show truly like what I had. Like I did well in my first game, and I did, I I still commanded a much of the board in my second game, right? But there was this sort of moment where the synergy just really happened, and I'm I am I am good at a buzzer. I can get the timing quite well, especially when I feel confident about the question. And so that first game just felt magical, right? There is that moment where despite the fact that apparently I am unclear about the concept of Heath Ledger, (laughs) I'm not sure if he's a person, a place, maybe we're all Heath Ledger. Um, uh, But the sense of like, despite that debacle, like there was that moment in Double Jeopardy where I just sort of pull ahead and I just felt in this zone, right, where I was like, no. I know it. I was it, and then there were these sort of great moments, right, where you get really lucky with a category, right. So there was the Bring Out Your Fred, and there was a question about F. W. De Claire, Or I got the Daily Double, and it was an African history question, which is what I do for a living. So I was like, this is delightful, right? Um, and it, it felt really validating in some way to be like, okay, I'd had a shorter run. I may have been the shorter Mohawk in terms of both actual hair length and time on the Alex Trebek stage, but there was a chance where I could really show this sort of great moment and it, it felt really really good just to sort of have that that moment of that that sort of visibility on the stage
2: and now a quick word from our sponsor
3: selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person point of sale system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. They help you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. What I love about Shopify is how user-friendly it is. It's so easy to build the web shop of your dreams and Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to that next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. They're the global force behind Allbirds, Rothies, and Brooklyn and, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com jeopardy, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com jeopardy now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com jeopardy. You can understand sounds no matter what language you speak or are learning like that. The sound of a right answer in Babbel. This fall you can start speaking a new language with Babbel. Why Babbel? Because it works. Instead of paying hundreds of dollars for a private tutor, Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations. All of Babbel's tips and tools for learning a new language are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching. All of you know what a fashion lover I am so when I found myself in Paris this summer I had to do some shopping and Babbel's French courses helped me navigate the shopping experience. With over 10 million subscriptions sold, Babbel is real language learning, for real conversations. Here is a very special limited time deal for our listeners to get you started right now. Get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com/insidej. Get 55% off at spelled babbel.com/insidej. Spelled b-a-b-b-e-l. dot com/insidej. Rules and restrictions may apply.
2: Now back to Inside Jeopardy. I want to circle back a minute to the community conversation. I've heard you say in the Diamonds group that Sarah is your mom and that Brian yeah. Adams is the Diamond Grandpa. <laughs> Have they owned up to these uh, roles within your group?
0: <laughs> they freely admit their familial relations, right? So Sarah is the mom for sure. And and yeah, Diamond Grandpa is the best grandpa, right? He knows what he's doing. Yeah. I love that. We are not the dads. Uh, Dave and goodness. I are the uh, irresponsible uncles Obviously. that are busy sort of playing with fireworks oh, or buying
1: Yeah, we're the, the Fred, we're the Fred and George it. Weasley yeah. of the group. We're twins somehow. <laughs> <coughs> and we cause all the problems.
2: But all joking aside, Dave, you are a dad in your real life, uh, aside from your brohawk life. And something that was different about this competition is that you got to have your daughters in the audience seeing you just rock it with a red mohawk or bright pink or whatever color it is on the Alex backstage. stage.
1: Yeah, that was amazing. We've talked about how anxious I am and how nervous I get. And so I didn't know how I would react to having an audience there because it was just the other competitors last time I was on. And I I felt like that was better for me. But I told my daughters before I, before, uh, I went out, I'm like, I might not make eye contact with you because I don't know if I can handle it. And then I walked out and I immediately looked for them in the audience and made eye contact. And I was so happy that they got to be there for that and got to see me win, but also that they just got to see me do it because both of them have anxiety issues too. And I I wanted to show them like you can have the anxiety and still go up and do the thing that's hard and it becomes more valuable because you worked through it and did it. Well, you
3: guys mentioned the Brohawks YouTube series where you're going through the games. I want to talk about something you spoke about in a recent episode, the strange feeling which I can corroborate of being nervous ahead of the games airing <laughs> even though you know the outcome. Oh boy. I experience this. Like you know what's going to happen and yet you still have that pre-show jitter. Where do we where do we net out on this, guys?
0: It is the most obnoxious and disrespectful truth, right? The sort of moment of I knew that I was going to win on Monday, and I woke up on Monday in a cold sweat, saying, "I hope I yeah. do."
3: Now, wh- what? So here's my theory on this: we know the outcome, but I don't know about you guys, but the actual course of the game is kind of a blur. And for me, I was like, "Did I do or say anything embarrassing?" am I did I miss something I should have known that kind of stuff I think was part of my I don't remember how this went versus I know how it ends but I kind of don't remember how it goes
1: absolutely true I I just watched my quarterfinal game and the categories came up I'm like nope that doesn't sound familiar nope don't remember that well I wonder how I do in this one like and so it's it's that exactly it's it's what are the people that are watching going to think because I, I I don't know how I looked I don't know any of the faces I made or or the ticks that I did and and what what's going to come across so uh, yeah did I embarrass myself on national TV I guess is that is the source of the feeling?
0: well and we collectively refer to this in the group text as JFS right the Jeopardy fugue state oh. where you just are sort of in this moment and you have, no recollection you remember that you were in a podium you're in front of a podium and that there may or may not have been involved. Uh, you you hope that you do well and so there i think you're absolutely right Buzzy. there's this sense of you've seen it but you have no idea how it actually goes you know the actual result but you don't know how you're going to be viewed or seen by anybody.
3: it's a bit like knowing the roller coaster ride ends where it starts but that doesn't make it any
1: less stressful That is the perfect analogy. That's fair. Look at that.
3: Look at that. Sarah just looked at me like, wow, you... you,
0: Where'd you come up with that? (laughs) Someone's earning his podcast cred.
3: Finally.
2: (laughs) It's about time. (laughs) It's about
3: time. Well, if you've listened to our other interviews, you know that I have two questions I I must ask.
2: Burning questions from Buzzy.
3: As the great French interviewer Bernard Pivot often asked, no. What is your lunch order when you join us here on the Sony lot?
1: Well, my original taping, I was trying to keep the nerves at bay, so I went as plain as I could get. It was a turkey and cheese sandwich, and I took maybe three bites uh, both my tape days. When I came back, I still wanted to keep it in the sandwich family. I I did a panini. I think the first couple of days, and then on the last day when I knew I was absolved of any stress, I went for the poke bowl. I think. Oh my oh, god! Yeah, a poke bowl <laughs> people in the poke and bowl just, huh. and just ate it, not caring what was going to happen. <laughs>
0: All right, TJ,
3: well. talk some sense into us. What's your lunch <laughs> order here at Sony? I'll do
0: my level best. Also, Dave, you looked absolutely gleeful when you attacked that pokeball. I was like, all right, sir, this is—I was. It's a family. Program. Something I've um, never
2: heard anyone say see- about anyone eating the pokeball here at Sony. But go on.
0: Yeah, just gleeful, gleeful attack on this, this, this fishateria. Um, so of course, when I um was on in in uh, September 2020, right, we were eating sandwiches in a park, oh, park yes. right, the and so
4: which
0: is. A, a different experience. So I just had the, 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 the veggie sandwich. Um, I already joked about this with the divine Emily Sands. If you are a vegan, it is impossible to go 10 minutes without letting someone know that you are. So I apologize. Hello. I think you've made
3: it about a half Hi. hour into this so far, 25 yeah, minutes. See, great, I am I,
0: so rare for me. I should have just interrupted, and like, Sarah, I understand. Vegan. Exceptional um, in every way, so, TJ. <laughs> I said, mm, go on, I just, I'm so amazing. And yet Dave is still the most winning Mohawk. Uh, disrespectful, churlish. So for me, when I got there, I was actually delighted by the sort of panoply of options. And so when I got there, I was like, I, I rolled up to sort of the uh, slightly international slash roasting oveny mm-hmm. station. And I was like, what weird sauces and grains do you have that are also fake meats? So both times, like the multiple days I was like, I will have this soy meat fiesta in a sort of uh, delightful sauce. And then I found that apparently for my anxiety, I would squirrel away a dark chocolate bar without any sort and of, but then I would refuse to eat. I just didn't realize that I hadn't eaten them. And so I did this each day of the taping and I got home <laughs> and I opened my bag and I was like, How do you have dark chocolate what? Sorry, what in the name of a strange type of squirrel
3: are you <laughs> that's your emotional support chocolate
0: <laughs> if, if that is what i told everyone oh. else yeah that's fair <laughs>
3: um and i know we haven't talked a ton about stats but do either of you or each of you have a jeopardy stat that you are most proud of
1: oh i think i i actually never double checked it but I, in, my, in my first game i think i got 30 correct and missed one and my nephew sent me that info and uh with like a michael jordan graphic like i was kind mm-hmm. <laughs> of go on a crazy Is this run
3: your first game of the initial run yeah yes yes when i was
1: initially on the show we're checking the
3: stats Yeah, we're checking the stats 30 corrected. correct Rob including 30 two correct
2: responses dip. bam those are good stats
3: that's good stats tj what do you got
0: my i i buzz very frequently and i'm usually right but i would say that the the out of all of these, what really just felt most amazing, so not a sort of immediate core or like other sort of staff, is the fact that that first game in this new wild card, that it was a runaway, Yeah. right? Like I was not anticipating, and it was, there was this sort of moment of suddenly, it, it didn't occur to me until I got the double jeopardy, right? And I got the, the, the Carthage answer, right? And I had risked 4,600. And then suddenly I was at 19,000 and there was no discernible way that someone could catch up. And there is suddenly this, intense, terrifying feeling in your body where the anxiety is no longer real. And to play a game of of Final Jeopardy, where it is immaterial, Mm -hmm. is one of the most surreal and least anxious moments.
2: And then you had a chance to to bring Heath Ledger back into Final Jeopardy.
0: Well, here's the thing is that what was very surreal for me, Sweet Sarah, is the fact that both of my games in the wild card were runaways. And so now I immediately can understand the, the emotional and psychic damage that I inflicted on Sarah and Jay. I was like, oh, oh <laughs> that, huh, right? Like that sort of about because it was the sort of vote that Aaron in the, in, the, in the semi, in the last question, in the very last question, made it a runaway. And in that moment, it allowed me because I, I was in that moment where I actually I knew it was Richard III, and then I was like, TJ Talley, there's no way that you need to prove to people that you know who Richard III is in this moment. What you do need to do, is make a Heath Ledger reference. And I was like, you know,
3: TJ, you're very fun and affable, but I think deep down you take pleasure in making people cry.
0: Oh, I am a college professor, so Buzzy. and so yes, we have figured this out immensely. Yeah. Yes.
2: All right. Well, Dave, you and I have something in common in that we are both lefties Oh. and Buzzy and Buzzy. It's like I'm
3: not even here. It's like I'm not even here. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think not everyone at home knows, and you now know, that for lefties, Buzzy, did you experience this in your initial times, that trying to write with the stylus was harder. difficult for the lefty cuz you got to pull it all the way across and it's it you got to bend over close yeah. and now it's wireless shut up Dave got to play with a wireless stylus. Must
3: be
1: nice, Dave. Must be nice. Tell
2: us what that's like for a lefty, Dave. It
1: was. uh, And thank you for bringing this up (laughs) because I was legitimately excited. I was one of the most excited people because it's (laughs) so awkward to hold the, pull the wire and give yourself enough slack to write your thing. and, And even so, like, you know, TJ has his fantastic name, and, and Steve in our bracket made his name with the whole Las Vegas sign, and I look like a four-year-old when I write my name, because I'm always just trying to keep the wire out of the way, and this time, yeah, I was just over the moon about it, and yet, still, my handwriting looked like I was in fourth
3: grade. Well, there's a couple things. You know, nobody knows how to teach lefties how to write, so we all have bad handwriting. Yes. Speak and Speak for but...
2: yourself, but You have beautiful handwriting. <laughs> well, now that I know it's
3: wireless, I feel like I'm going to be talking to the new contestants like an old timer like like i used to have to walk to the stage barefoot uphill both ways like i used to have to have a wire it's like when it's like when i did these interviews for this is jeopardy and they're like people used to pull the cards to reveal the clues that's what i feel like now thank you times
2: are changing in this world i mean that was a big thing huge coming back and having that experience i'm really happy we could provide that for you now, I know the two of you both pitched me on the Brohawks being the new
0: <laughs> Clue Crew. And yes. how did that go
2: over when we chatted about that? I just want to know how you felt I and on, your con- <laughs> did you on your end of the conversation. How
1: did you feel on your end of the conversation? Initially, we had pitched it to Jimmy, and then immediately had somebody come up to us right afterwards and be like, don't pitch a new Clue Crew to the Clue Crew. And I'm like, but he has a good job now. <laughs> And, and somebody needs to bring Thanks. back the Clue Crew, and so then we pitched it to you. And I've never seen a wall it. of ice come up faster. I don't believe it was like we. You don't. You I, don't need. You shouldn't say that to me. And I was like, okay.
0: I, w- I was like, how is this zeppelin made of lead? How did this happen? Like, it's just. It's not going. It's just go yeah. right
3: out of the sky.
2: And Jimmy and I do have great jobs, but let's be honest, the Clue Crew greatest job greatest job in the entire world why and
1: do you think I... i'm lobbying for it right exactly <laughs> why, why? So that is why I'm just saying we were both if like that's
2: gonna happen i'm growing a mohawk
1: because <laughs> i'm going
2: i'm going on those trips that's all i'm saying
0: we also joked this week about obviously we said this on the youtube i was like clearly dave you are the same
2: yes i did hear and this I part and i joke. loved it
0: that's fine that's fine <laughs> right and now even more so because we're like the left-handed part makes even more mm, sense. There you go. That's fair. See, this it tracks. 100% the key tracks. is
3: you have to start out with someone who looks exactly like Dave but is named Sophia. This is deep. D- 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 a deep clue D- crew
0: reference.
2: Deep clue reference from the original clue crew.
3: We're
0: whiffing
1: our audition. D- Wait, I mean, We're whiffing I, our audition you know, I we, we already <laughs> blew it. <laughs> we blew it a long time yeah. ago. Yeah.
3: Yeah. If you <laughs> think you're whiffing it now, I have some <laughs> terrible, terrible news for you, TJ.
2: Okay, clue crew aside, what's in store? What can we anticipate for the future what's, of the Brohawks?
3: What's Brohawks to The Search for Curly's Gold look like? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Talk about deep
1: references there, Buzzy. That was an excellent deep cut, Buzzy. That's what i My here God. For.
3: I've earned my keep. I've had you two really good have. ones today. I mean,
2: I think you could just like better than no. I usually do. We're so far ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but really, aside from Buzzy's deep cut, what's ahead for you guys? We want to know. People want more of these guys.
1: Oh well, I. It's fun that you think that. Uh, we're not convinced, but that's not going to stop us. <laughs> uh, we were just right. talking today, like, what are we going to do? Because we're coming up on the end of the diamond bracket, and do we continue into the other brackets? This sounds so hokey, but like I love getting a chance to see him every day and talk about stuff. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty oh, true. And I love that. It's really. So, have you guys thought
0: about teaming up to fight crime? It's actually Prime? obnoxious. <laughs> First off, if we or or cause it, I don't limit us. Maybe we're also super villains. I don't. I don't know. Um, but yeah, this this has been the weirder thing, right? And this. This will feel like buzzy circa last week but maybe the real grow-hawks are the friends we made along mm-hmm. the way um but really in some way like the the fact that like this is great um we had this sort of intense friendship bond out of this group and we realized that our our banter is born out of being quick and clever and also patently self-aware that we're barely adults so all of this works really well um and we joked about this even today as we were recording we were like well if you would like us to keep doing this anybody let us know if you're like you guys should should stop we would also not listen <laughs> to you but we would feel more more empowered if people were interested so we we're jazz this has been an absolute treat and our relationship to sort of to jeopardy has been what a what a dang gift to be able to do this and be part of this sort of fun adventure it's, it's great
2: well aside from your friendship Dave what would you say has been the best part of this jeopardy journey?
1: Aside from the friendship, that's, I mean, I that's really it's the whole thing. Think. I guess we'd have to circle back to having having my daughters see me. Also, actually, in my uh, semifinal game, I got to give a shout out to my mom, who I lost in 2017. So she's the reason I started watching Jeopardy. She watched the old version. And I watched the very first episode of Alex with her in 1984. And that was the thing that we did together. And... She was one of those super fans where if you called while Jeopardy was on, she was not going to answer the phone. So she didn't get to see my initial run, and that is a real bummer. But the fact that I got to be on the stage and give her a shout-out is definitely something that I'm grateful for.
3: Mom's rule. Absolutely.
2: How about for you, TJ? So
0: I will also go this sort of family route, right? So one of the things is that in, in 1991, my grandmother was on a show called Classic Concentration. Oh, yes. that was Love Concentration. Alex. Alex yeah. um, And so there's this great moment where my, my, my grandmother wins a car and she's like, I'm excited for my, you know, my six-year-old oh. grandson to see it, who is me. So my grandmother passed in 2016, so I didn't get a chance to sort of share this experience with her. But I know that she would have deeply enjoyed it, but there was this also moment of, not being able to have it with anybody was such a, such a shame. I'm from Los Angeles. It would have been very easy to sort of have this space. I'm, I'm originally from there. I live in San Diego now. Um, And so to come back and be able to have my mom come, I'm an, I'm an only child. My mom's a single parent. And so there was this sort of really immense wonderful moment of being in the studio and seeing my mom in that moment and having us both have this sort of relationship to her mom, having been on a show with Trebek and me having been on it. There's been this sort of like, really great almost full circle for us to be in that sort of space and to make it even more ridiculous right afterwards you know we had gotten to know dave and my mom turned to me on the ride home hmm. uh and she was like well i guess that means i also have to be dave's Aww, mom and I, was like, and I was like don't make me oh cry on a thursday madam and it, it's true yeah. so yeah, yeah it's 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 a fun connection that's that sort
3: of come
2: well, I am so thankful yeah. for our connection to the two of you. I'm so glad that we got to have both of you back on the Alex Trebek stage. And I'm here for it. I'm front row for whatever the Brohawks are going to do. We're lucky to have you in our Jeopardy family. Thank you. Always a pleasure.
3: That was a blast. I feel like maybe we should have, not every week, but, you know, every couple weeks, we got to check in with the uh, the Brohawks.
2: Yeah, I want to know what they're up to. All I know <laughs> is they bring great energy, great fun. So much fun on the stage. So much fun to have them in the pod. Well, Buzzy, that brings us to the end of today's show. We're going to be back next week to discuss the conclusion of the Champions Wildcard Diamonds group. And we'll also be highlighting the first two games of the clubs group. And according to Dave and TJ... The Diamonds are the best of the group. So we're going to have to wait and see what the clubs bring. And we're also going to be joined by the Champions wildcard winner of the Diamonds group. So make sure to tune in today to catch all the action.
3: The Diamonds may be forever, but, you know, the Clubs is 50 Cent's favorite uh, group from this wild card competition. Anyway, I cannot wait. <laughs> As always, please subscribe to the podcast and follow us at Jeopardy! on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, on TikTok, on Twitter slash X. And we will see you next week. See
2: you then.